0: the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John petro Show.
1: It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, petro.com We have made it to Friday. It is a sunny Friday. It's cold out. But folks, we are two weeks away from spring. Things are slowly starting to open up. Governor McKee is anxious to really start to open things up, lift the restrictions. Connecticut's already moving ahead. I have a feeling Rhode Island is not far behind. You know, what an amazing uh, story of what's going on in New York right now, where New York Governor uh, Andrew Cuomo is really under fire. Major explosive story the New York Times has, Wall Street Journal has, that he and his staff, how they were downplaying the deaths in nursing homes. Huge investigation with that. And then one of the women at the center of the storm against him did a big interview last night with Nora O'Donnell on CBS News. Her name is former staff member Charlotte Bennett. She's very, very credible. I want to play it for you. This is her last night on CBS News with uh, Nora Governor O'Donnell.
2: Cuomo said that he has never propositioned anybody. Do you believe that he was propositioning you? Yes. For what? Sex. In the spring of 2020, New York was the epicenter of the COVID crisis. The pandemic was obviously stressful for all of us, and he was on TV nearly every day talking about it.
3: Make that gown look
2: good. So you think all this national attention may have emboldened him? Absolutely. I think he felt like he was untouchable in a lot of ways. Bennett says their professional relationship took a turn on May 15th when she alleges the governor started asking her about her love life and then became fixated, repeating over and over again her history as a sexual assault survivor. So he goes, you were raped. You were raped. You were raped and abused and assaulted. Another key encounter happened on June 5th when Bennett says she was called into Cuomo's office to take dictation and he told her to turn off the tape recorder. And then he explains at that point that he is looking for a girlfriend. He's lonely. He's tired. You've just finished dictation and the governor is telling you he's lonely and looking for a relationship. Yes. He
4: asked if... I had trouble enjoying being with someone because of my drama. This is, seems highly inappropriate. Yeah. The governor asked me if I was sensitive to intimacy. In his office?
2: Yes. During the workday. You have been quoted as saying that he also asked you about if you'd ever been with an older man.
4: Yeah. He asked me if age difference mattered. He also explained that he was fine with anyone over
2: 22. And how old are you? 25. What were you thinking as he's asking you these questions? I thought he's trying to sleep with me. The
4: governor's trying to sleep with me and I'm deeply uncomfortable, and I have to get out of this room as soon as
2: possible. And to be clear, what made you think that he was trying to sleep with you?
4: Without explicitly saying it, he implied to me that I was old enough for him and he was lonely.
2: Text messages sent by Bennett to a friend and reviewed by CBS News memorialize her encounter with Cuomo immediately afterwards. Bennett tells her friend the governor quote talked about age differences in relationships the friend who verified the messages asks wait what did he do something Bennett responds no but it was like the most explicit it could be how did you respond to those questions I responded honestly
4: and when I was even thinking of coming forward I think that was where I held the most shame and that like I really was uncomfortable. Why did you feel shame? I feel like people put the onus on the woman to shut that conversation down. And by answering, I was somehow engaging in that or enabling it, when in fact, I was just terrified. People will watch this and say, why didn't you get up and leave?
2: It didn't feel like I had a choice. He's your boss. He's my boss he's everyone's boss governor cuomo said in a statement that what he said may have quote been misinterpreted did you misinterpret him
4: no i understood him loud and clear it just didn't go the way he planned
0: i never knew at the time i was making anyone feel uncomfortable
4: did you watch governor cuomo's apology i did it's not an apology it's not an issue of my feelings It's an issue of his actions. The fact is that he was sexually harassing me and he has not apologized for sexually harassing me and he can't even use my name.
2: And we reached out to Governor Cuomo's office to respond to Charlotte Bennett's claims. They directed us to the governor's apology yesterday and asked people to wait for results of the state attorney general's investigation. And there's more news from our interview with Charlotte. That'll be tomorrow on CBS This Morning.
1: Folks, very uh, devastating again. I was on CBS News. Now, the thing about this situation with Cuomo, and again, folks, it's John DePietro, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. See, the thing is that's that's the easy one to understand. That is the easy one to understand. And uh the thing that's a little more difficult to understand is in fact the story that also appears. Cuomo AIDS rewrote nursing home report to hide Higher death toll. This is New York Times intervention was the earliest action yet known. An effort by Governor Cuomo concealed how many nursing home residents died in the pandemic. Top aides to Governor Cuomo were alarmed. A report written by state health officials had just landed, included to count how many nursing home residents in New York had died in the pandemic. The number, more than nine thousand by that point, June, was not public. The governor's most senior aides wanted to keep it that way. They rewrote the report to take it out, according to interviews and documents reviewed by the New York Times. This extraordinary intervention came just as Cuomo was starting to write a book on his pandemic achievements. It was the earliest act yet known, of what critics have called a month-long effort by the governor's aides to obscure the full scope of nursing home deaths. After the state attorney general revealed earlier this year thousands of deaths of nursing home residents had been undercounted, Cuomo finally released the complete data, saying it withheld it out of concern Trump, the Trump administration may pursue a politically motivated inquiry into the state's handling of the outbreak in nursing homes. But Cuomo and his aides actually began conce- sealing the number of months earlier, as his aides were battling their own top health officials as well well before requests for data arrived from federal authorities, according to documents. The central role played by the governor's top aides reflected the lengths to which Governor Cuomo had gone in the middle of a deadly pandemic to control data, brush aside public health expertise, and bolster his position as a national leader in the fight against the coronavirus. As the nursing home report was being written, The New York State Health Department's data contained in a chart reviewed by the Times that was included put the death toll roughly, roughly, listen to this folks, 50% higher than the figure being cited publicly by the Cuomo administration. Health Department worked on the report with McKinsey, a consulting firm hired by Cuomo to help with the pandemic response. The chart they created compared nursing home deaths in New York with other states. New York's total of 9,250 deaths far exceeded that of the next highest state, New Jersey, which had 6,150 at the time. The changes sought by the governor's aides fueled bitter exchanges with health officials working on the report. The conflict punctuated an already tense and developing relationship between Como and his health department, one that would fuel an exodus of the state's pop, uh, state's top public health officials. So folks, again, this is, the re- this is what I believe is going to lead him to have to be re- resigned and forced from office. So, and as the Times says, in the past week, Cuomo's once seemingly unshakable grip on power has been buffeted by a wave of scandal. You have, of course, the women, we just played one of them, tried to apologize for it. But this, this situation with the nursing home, I mean, you think about this. I mean, he is just another element. He should no longer be the governor. He should no longer be the governor. Not on this, not on this latest report of the New York Times, where basically they knew exactly what they were doing. As he's writing the book, they didn't want to seem that the most nursing home deaths were coming out of New York and they were fighting it. And then basically cut it in half 50%. Now the folks, the New York Times, they are all over him and, uh, And this is, I don't think, I think this is going to reach a point. He can hold on, but this is going to be a drip, drip, drip where they're going to go after him. All right. A lot more ahead. You're listening to the John DiPietro Show. We're in an accident. Someone hits your vehicle. It's damaged in some way. Pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Folks, as you're riding along, you just never know.
0: That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovas.com.
1: Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508 508- You're listening to the John DiPietro Show weekdays, folks. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM thirteen eighty ninety nine point nine 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DiPietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining me, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, it is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, let's start off by uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, boy, the hero of last spring. Wrote a book, got an Emmy. People are saying he should be at the top of the ticket, not Biden. It is less than a year later, and he is uh, in the middle of a, about as big firestorm as you can get, certainly in New York, around the country. But let's start off with, um, this is going to be interesting now, as he's agreeing to this independent investigation. And just kind of reminds me of once these things start, you, you can certainly lose control of it. But let's start off with New York Governor Andrew Cuomo.
5: It's, it's really a fast-developing situation, John. Um, The governor's gone from saying nothing and avoiding the press. There's been a drip. uh, There's been basically a drip, drip, drip of information coming out and new um, accusers coming out. There's up to three as of right now at last count. And the trick is, um, in one case, the woman who says that she kind of pushed back against his overtures of some Um, interaction between them and then he takes his hands and cradles her face and kisses her against her will and somebody took a picture of it and captured the moment of this girl's disgust as this guy is um, trying to kiss her it's it's not funny in that what he did was completely improper but in today's day and age you can't really do anything and presume you're not going to be filmed or taken a picture of and that's exactly what's happened to the governor. I'm I'm pretty sure more will come out, you know, if a guy behaves this way and he's done it with three different people potentially, there could be more. Um it's interesting that when um Justice Kavanaugh was going through his confirmation hearing and Dr. Blasey Ford came out of nowhere to make accusations. Andrew Cuomo was out front saying, I believe her. She's yeah. credible. Yeah. Why would a woman do this? What does she have to gain by saying these things if they're not true? Now, I don't think he's been asked if that quote applies to his situation. Um The media certainly isn't reminding the public very much that he was out front slamming uh, Judge Kavanaugh when he was going through his um, situation with an accuser whose charges lost steam as as the the case proceeded. Um, Governor Cuomo has hired a defense attorney, apparently a very good white-collar criminal defense lawyer, which I think is a very smart move. He's agreeing to an investigation but who's doing the investigating? Um, I think if it's with the attorney general of New York, she's no great ally of the governor. She might have a vested interest in digging down and getting the dirt on him. But it's, this is much different when someone in the house of representatives has a problem like the governor's having, um, they do an internal investigation. It goes before the ethics committee, and it basically dies in a in a in a in a dark closet, never to be heard from again, and nothing really happens. What the governor's got to hope for is that this investigation drags out that there's no new bombs going off with new accusers, and that he can ride this out. He is today saying he'll cooperate. He's contrite. He realizes that he did something that, upon reflection, was foolish but was not mean-spirited. Um, he has the advantage of, um, you know, being a Democrat governor in a heavily Democrat state. Um, compare this to what happened with um, Ralph Northam, the governor of Virginia, who had, early in his administration had the uh, blackface scandal. Yes, yes. He wrote out that storm. He's still governor. No one even talks about it anymore. Right. Um, Joe Biden has had his accuser during the campaign. That's right. The media didn't talk about that. Um, So it depends who is the target of the investigation and whether the media has an appetite to go after the target. I don't think they really have an appetite to go after Cuomo. They've been singing his praises for killing people in nursing homes. But I think this has reached such critical mass that they have to look into it. They can't avoid it. They're, whether they want to or not, um, at this point, the story has legs and they're going to have to report on it. I don't think, the, I don't think Andrew Cuomo will resign his office. No, I think he'll tough it out. Yep. And at the end of the day, I don't think anything's going to happen to him.
1: But Tim Dodd, and again, folks, this so is our legal expert, Tim Dodd. The old adage used to be uh, when, you know, first companies started talking about it, used to hear sexual harassment can't happen once. There has to be if if uh, a boss says or says to a subordinate, hey, would you like to grab dinner this weekend? She says, I'm really not interested. And if that's the end of it, then that's the end of it. But what about where, you know, he's saying, oh, it was just friend." now. This is Cuomo now. Friendly banter. Uh, do you have a boyfriend? Uh, He ever been with an older guy. He's claiming he, um, you know, was just joking around so far. Tim Dodd as much. as It's certainly embarrassing. And on the the cover of the uh, the post and the the tabloids in New York are going after him. He's a single guy. Um, There's there's no you know, wasn't like fourth. And I'm not saying has to go to that level, but it would seem that based on what you described, that they just they. He may come right up to the line and you could certainly argue it was inappropriate. The wedding situation was different because that was just inappropriateness at a, at a wedding. Um, and i really foolish when you think about it because, you know, everyone, as soon as the governor of New York works in, they're all taking photos. But, but Tim, so far with what you've seen, uh, does it sound like that they may have the goods on him where then, uh, you know, that they would say, yes, that did, he is guilty of it?
5: Uh, well, I, I think he's kind of, in a roundabout way, admitting that at least some of it's true. And look at, look at what happened with Joe Biden. They've yep. got him doing all these creepy things, kissing women, smelling their hair, rubbing their yes. back, doing all this really peculiar th- stuff. And when it reached a critical mass, he basically said, you know, that's the way, you know, I lived. And now I realize that that kind of conduct is, is improper. I'll, yep. mend, I'll mend my ways. And the media said, oh, okay. And that was it. Mm, right. So he's out, He's not denying it. He's not stonewalling. He's giving the media a little something and he's giving a little something to the victim saying, I didn't fully appreciate or understand that my conduct could be seen as offensive. I thought it was joking around. I thought it was lighthearted. I thought it was um, just, you know, joking around and now I realize that my conduct was not acceptable, not appropriate, and I see the error of my ways and I'm contrite and I'm sorry and I'll change. Well that might be enough to get him through. Yep. If he stonewalled and said they're all crazy, they're all liars, much like Bill Clinton tried to paint Monica Lewinsky out to be some crazy person. Stalker, right. Um this guy's taking a different approach. At at this juncture, unless there's some new revelations, um, you know, there's, he's not touching them, you know, he's not committing any sort of a um, improper touching, if you will, we could get into more graphic situations, he's trying to kiss them, and I'm not minimizing that at all, I'm not minimizing it, but he's not grabbing their breasts, he's not grabbing their butts, he's not giving them a back rub, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a hands-off situation except for trying to line up their face to give him a kiss, which is just creepy as can be. I think he survives this.
1: Yeah. Now, Tim Dodd also, before we leave the Cuomo, let's just say each morning Andrew Cuomo would walk by one of his assistants and say, Hey, you know, don't you look nice on this Tuesday? The next day, don't you look nice on this Wednesday and Thursday? She doesn't say anything. And then says, you know, I, I felt every day he'd come in and comment on my appearance. But what about if after Tuesday, he says, hey, you look nice on this Tuesday. The woman says, you know, I really don't appreciate you commenting on my appearance. And then after that, he doesn't he he continues to do it under those two scenarios. um, Could he be, you know, could he be held accountable if if he says, listen, I used to come in and say, hey, just as an example, you look nice today. And she never said anything. I didn't know that it bothered
5: her. Yes, typically there have to be some acknowledgement that the comments or the conduct is not well received, it's inappropriate, it's unacceptable. Um, Many times in the workplace, a subordinate thinks that they can't speak out and say that they are offended or made uncomfortable because their job could be in jeopardy. That's a tricky wicket for the victim of this type of conduct. You know, if you complain, are you going to if they're going to come up with some pretextual reason to get rid of you because now you're complaining about the conduct? It's a tough position to be the victim of that and know the appropriate note to hit. To let the boss know you don't like it, especially when it's somebody a governor from a powerful political family. That's a tricky wicket for the women who are subjected to this stuff.
1: And Tim Dodd, if he finally, if he hired the attorney that had Harvey Weinstein, that's, he's obviously taking it very serious. This is going to be very aggressively defended. And um, and this, I, they, they're they going to, you know, really have their work cut out for him if they think they're going to get him, based on what we've heard so far. Based on yes, what we've
5: heard so far. and the trick is if he's lawyered up right now, I think yep. in terms of trying to kiss a couple of girls and ask some girl if she... Um, Woman, I Have should Have a
1: date say. an
5: older guy, or yeah. yes, let's let's say woman, not girl. <sighs> that's my Understood. bad. Um, that's not going to be enough to result in a criminal prosecution. Maybe Cuomo knows that there's more stuff out there, and he needs to lawyer up now to get ready for the next shoe to drop. It's, yeah. It it seems almost like a bit of overkill to be lawyered up to this extent now, if. If it's just misunderstandings and if it's just him not understanding how his conduct could be perceived and, oh, I'm sorry and, oh, I'll change my ways, there's not enough so far, I don't think, to be deemed a criminal act on his part um, in terms of the actual conduct.
1: Geraldo's very tight, apparently, with the family. And he kind of trotted out a little bit of a defense on Hannity the other night, saying, listen, he's 63 years old. He's a bachelor. In the middle of a pandemic, he's lonely. He's in Albany. He's just trying to make a little banter in the office. So, again, no one is justifying it. But you'd almost get some insight to what I, I don't think Geraldo came up on that or came up with that on his own. I think that may have been fed to him just as, like, a little bit of a trial balloon. Folks, quick break. A lot more. Attorney Tim Dodd right here on The John DiPietro Show.
3: 321 2799 That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com.
1: What's the point of having an appliance if it doesn't work properly? Or maybe you have problems with it. I'll tell you what you should do. As I like to say, if your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 7096 easy to remember ryan's appliance repair 401-710-7096 i've used ryan on several occasions whether it's for your washing machine or maybe your dryer or the refrigerator or your stove or oven or microwave any appliance if your appliance is dying just call ryan 401-710-7096 i was having a problem with our our clothes dryer what would happen it wouldn't turn on no way they were going to dry the clothes. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair. He fixed that in about five minutes. Then the oven wouldn't heat up. I called Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096. He fixed, the, he fixed the the oven in about five minutes. Folks, call them. All work is guaranteed for 90 days. Parts and labor. Senior citizens' discounts are available, and Saturday appointments are available. Come on, call Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401 710 70 96 you're listening to the John DiPietro show weekdays folks we start at 11 we go until 2 it's a.m. 1380 try out that 99.9 FM you can always listen online at the website com. joining me right now he covers Rhode Island for the Boston Globe he had quite the day yesterday Dan McGowan let's pick it up with um you uh and I love this you were kind of having a little fun uh with how many votes Governor Raimondo would end up uh getting yesterday and um, let's pick it up from there, where you had a number of different winners of people that guessed the right number, which was, and that was a high number, but she received 84 votes yesterday in her official Senate confirmation.
0: Yeah, get this, John. I, we asked uh, in, our, in Roadmap, our daily newsletter yesterday, I asked people to just make predictions, right? S- send me how many votes you'll get. We ended up getting more than 500 responses Holy from people. Holy wow. Uh, and a couple of dozen ended up, about uh, 30 actually, ended up getting uh, the 84 exactly right. Um, and you nailed it, John. 84 is a big number, right? It, it shows, obviously it shows, you know, a bipartisan uh, level of support. Um, it's just under the 86 that Pete Buttigieg got for, uh, for transportation secretary. So, you know, for a, a process that, probably longer than the governor wanted and certainly longer than the Biden administration wanted, uh, you know, worked out in the end because she was overwhelmingly approved yesterday.
1: It's interesting. uh, And folks, there's a story in in the Boston Globe uh, that Dan McGowan wrote about Governor Rondo. So she was spotted at T.F. Green Airport. Uh, She was traveling. I I think the photo I saw was there was just one aide with her. But uh, as she was traveling there, the aide had what seemed to be like you know an overnight bag of some kind, but um was it 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 also shows that you kinda you know you don't she doesn't set the schedule, no one does you're kind of along for the ride, and then um pick it up you had quite the afternoon yesterday because it was unclear exactly she has not been sworn in yet as commerce secretary
0: that's that's exactly right, as you and I are talking, she still has not been sworn in, which is a bizarre thing because. You're right. I mean, I think even she went to Washington yesterday, kind of thinking, okay, if be get two o'clock vote or two fifteen vote, uh, remember those things that were very quick. You know, it's a pretty quick process. It wasn't like a long day of speeches or anything like that. I think she very much thought she would be sworn in yesterday, um, and she intends to work largely from. Uh, Rhode Island for the first couple of months until she moves down there uh, you know uh, as the virus gets better she's going to spend a lot of time still here I know her staff uh, that's going with her is going to as well and so I think she probably anticipated a swear in and maybe potentially get back on a flight uh, last night but she doesn't get sworn in which of course then throws off transition to the to Governor McKee and you know the the, the process ended up working out for Governor McKee but 6 o'clock last night, 6.15 last night, he was still telling advisors that he wasn't sure when he would be sworn in, uh, you know, it, would it be tonight, would it be tomorrow, morning, today, uh, and so he was pretty much in the dark, um, as, and as was Governor Raimondo in many ways, and then it all kind of came together, but yes, we're still waiting on Governor Raimondo to actually be sworn in by the president.
1: By the president, or is it by the vice president?
0: Oh, excuse me. Yes, right by the vice president, I believe it is. Yes. Okay.
1: Now, Dan McGowan, when is that schedule? Right now, uh, what is the the current understanding when that's going to
0: happen? Believe, from what I was told, it's supposed to happen sometime on the earlier side today. Is what I was told. I don't know if that's the morning or early afternoon matter of scheduling. It's just when somebody will, you know, it- is around to do this. I'm sure they want to make yep. it look. You know, nice. They want to get the picture. They want to do all that kind of thing. And then the big question, John, is who who does she do the first big interview with? Um, I can say it's probably not going to be you or I. (laughs) Uh, I think they're they're targeting some sort of big national, um, you know, interview. There's a handful of people. I think they want her to do it on television. Uh, which is interesting, is at least that's what I've been told, and so we're really waiting to see kind of when when the world, in many ways, gets introduced to Governor or, or to Secretary Ramundo.
1: Now, folks, we're speaking with Dan McKee of the Boston Globe. Now, Dan, yesterday also, Ted Cruz was given time to get up, and he uh, he gave a speech. Uh, it had to do with the telecommunications company, but any idea about he 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 also hinted that for some reason the governor was not forthcoming with. Um, with with certain, um, with certain information for for the job, any any idea where that was where I, that was going or was,
0: I'll, I was surprised by the way uh, he presented that. I wasn't at all surprised yeah. by the Chinese uh, argument. Um, clearly, right. he's. I think it's a. I think it's, a, it's an authentic criticism of his. I think he he really strongly feels this way. I would also say, John, you're smart about politics. He he knows that the words communist China. Polls very oh, well, no. and that's why you heard him say, uh "You know, we we need to be against communist China." He must have said it what a half a dozen, maybe more times in the in the short speech that he gave. When it comes to your your other question, though, the, what what surprised me is that Senator Cruz, to his credit, submitted a bunch of questions, maybe more than 20 questions for the written record for Governor Raimondo, and I've read them all. The governor responded to, I keep saying the governor, the secretary now, so responded to uh, um, every question. Now, was she as, you know, as forthcoming on everything? Some of the questions were a little bit, were very political. It was a lot of, question, you know, random questions about stories in Rhode Island, and of course she's able to kind of blow that off as just being political. But I, I think that's what he or asking about or, or pointing to? I think he was saying that there was just a lot of things that he, he didn't feel like she um, was particularly forthcoming. And I mean, honest, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That confirmation hearing for her was almost entirely glowing, and I think that frustrated yeah. somebody f- f- like you know, who honestly has a political stake in this, but also I think wanted to vet a very serious, you know, office and, uh, you know, the, the potential holder of a very serious office. So I think that's what he was talking about.
1: You know, it's funny, McGowan. there is this myth floating out there about governor Mundo, her, her, her husband, the family and and her finances. Uh, You know, she, she submitted those things uh, during the confirmation process. It, it, it was published but during the course of the summer and the fall there there is this and I'll call it that there is this myth that you know they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars and they control these businesses and I, I unless you saw something i didn't see anything remotely close to that when they released all the financials
0: no i mean you know one of the things if you if you talk to some of the or if you read some of the national reporters that that you know cover like the real nitty gritty politics they always kind of laugh and yawn at the uh, the, you know, the governors or the mayors who get appointed to these jobs, because if you've been around public service in, in your state or in, you know, if you're a Buddha judge, you know, as the mayor of a relatively large city, you know, you're subject to lots of filing disclosures. It's very hard to completely cover up at least your income kind of uh, things. there There's certainly, look, we, we all know there are corrupt politicians everywhere. that That's a real thing. Right. But – it's very hard to – you know, You can't hide your property. You can't hide things like that. And, um, yeah, I think the governor always thought to – I mean, for years – how many times have you gotten this question, John? I mean, for years, there are people who believe that Governor Raimondo's husband is very much tied to the marijuana industry. Marijuana? Business, um, yes. and, and the funny thing about it, the reason that is a thing is because the person, the lobby. In Rhode Island, who led the charge on, you know, advancing marijuana's last name is in fact Moffitt, like Andy Moffitt, her husband, except it's a different different spelling of the last name.
1: Yes. I've been hearing that for years. Uh, And this summer, I'll just leave it at this, but this past summer, I I can't tell you the number of protests, and I can name the protesters. They'd stand up there in front of the crowd with a bullhorn and announce to the protesters – that she was worth three hundred million dollars. Yeah, I
0: mean there's, and, there's uh, no and, evidence of that, right? She's not she's No, not no a rich evidence woman. of that at all. <laughs> or she's like she's a well, wealthy she's woman, got, but not a They're well off. Yeah, yeah they've
1: done well. Now damn but let's take it through the afternoon. Uh you managed to get in. Uh and by the way, she's not actually sworn in yet as <laughs> commerce secretary. So she's kind of private citizen rebundo today. She did resign yesterday. Uh but take us through. You managed to get on this call with uh, at the time incoming governor McKee and his,
0: his, uh, his staff. Yeah. Well, we were all waiting to figure out, uh, you know, we've been very much in the dark about who Dan McKee was going to hire, you know, what was his first, you know, kind of top priority, things like that. And so I had gotten word that he was going to have a quick call with his transition team. Um, And there are dozens and dozens. In fact, I think there were a hundred people on the call. And so, I knew people on the call. I asked, "Hey, can I? Can you send me the call-in number?" And uh, and it was a Zoom. But and sure enough, I called right in, and nobody stopped me. And I just live tweeted everything that was talked about, which yes, ruffled, it was fantastic. Ruffled a lot of feathers, I think, both in the media and then, I think in the uh, in the governor's office. But uh, the gist of it was, you know, he did make some real news here. He well, made it very clear. He's not going to raise taxes in his budget next week, which comes out next week. Um, You know, he said, look, we're going to continue the car tax phase out, right? That's a sign that he knows Rhode Island's going to do very well in this next stimulus package. Um, I think any concerns about, you know, financial shortfall, at least in the short term, um, uh, you know, are pretty much going to be debunked or going to be disappearing. Uh, And so now it becomes a matter of, You know, excess, right? It's it's surplus. It's it's what can you spend things on? And when you're heading into a governor's race next year, uh, that's I mean, could you be in a better position if you're the new governor who isn't you know isn't desperately trying to close money or you know close shortfalls? Isn't you know, isn't closing down businesses. He's going to, in fact, reopen most businesses in the you know, coming months. So uh, Dan McKee is, is feeling pretty good. And I think he he kind of showed that as he talked to his advisors. He was happy. He said people are going to be pleased. Uh, he was kind of giddy almost uh, to get started because I think he knows uh, brighter times are coming for him.
1: Folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DiPietro Show. While the pandemic rages on, you need to stay healthy. You need to take care of your health. You need to stop in and see Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant. Call Marie. I call her the Queen of Health. 401-305-3585. You've seen the her store. It's right in that old white church. It's my health. Because, folks, it's about your health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Shop local. Stop it and see Marie. What do we have? Well, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies, who understand quality, integrity, local products like the incredible acai berry. She also has honey, maple syrup. Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, right across from Davenport Restaurant, has over 250 bulk herbs, teas and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas the service is the best plus hemp and cbd products plus massage therapy reflexology pilates folks stop it and see her it's my health because it's about your health and staying healthy and children's vitamins 1099 mendon roden cumberland you can call her at 401 305 3585 stop in and see Marie and it's my health 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland right across from Davenport restaurant because remember it's your health stop in and see Marie and it's my health
3: Three two one two seven nine nine. That's four zero one three two one two seven nine nine. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com
1: We're speaking with Donna Perry, who is a writer columnist for the Sun Chronicle. DJ, I want to just stay with the Cuomo situation for a moment because, you know, Chris Cuomo came yep. out and was saying, uh, you know, well, obviously I can't cover it. Obviously I can't because it's my brother. And I like that people are very quick to say, you you, had, you know, we're, we're talking about double standard. You had no problem when it was obvious that you were saying he was doing such a great job in New York and with the COVID situation. What position do you think this puts – I think this puts Chris Cuomo in, a, in an – they, they, whether he likes it or not, CNN, they never should have allowed the two brothers on yes. the, the year together. We're seeing why. And to me, this is in for a penny, in for a pound. You can't now – he can't separate. He now – there's a lot of fallback to me on this with Chris Cuomo. I,
3: I absolutely agree. And I, I think it's because I think there's a building credibility problem for CNN as a network. And that's and because it's tied into he's one of their prominent. John, you and I know how this works. The nighttime oh, anchors, yeah. right? The nighttime anchors bring the biggest juice, energy ratings, money to the to all those networks. And I just yep. don't know. How, yes, he made this feeble little, you know, 20 second statement and Brian Stelter dutifully, you know, tweeted it out to back him up. Um, I think it brings Uh, a lot of credibility issues for for that whole sense of that. But I think especially because you're right, they would be seen on the air during the course of covid and during some rough times, by the way, and a lot of joking around when Chris Cuomo himself had COVID member and he was recovering and then it, it, he would appear yes. from the basement and they had a little, you know, there was a lot of like lighthearted um, approaches going on there. And then we know that was happening while there was all the shenanigans or misreporting going on about the nursing homes. So I, Chris Cuomo, you're right. Like I think JD, how do they, and especially about the the kind of issue we're talking about, uh, when Chris yes. Cuomo and CNN, John, would have, for instance, Michael Avenatti on like five nights a week. Right. All the time. Uh, That's right. And they talked yes. about Stormy Daniels and uh, Avenatti was on. At one point, Brian Stelter was almost saying, maybe you could be a political candidate. And they said stuff like yes. that on Cuomo's show. So yeah. I, I think he also knows his credibility on these kinds of sexual harassment stories is on the line. Um, And I noticed he kind of, you know, threw seven seconds about that in that little statement Monday night.
1: Yeah, I think he's got problems. I want to pivot back to The New York Times because Maureen Dowd wrote a column over the weekend. Folks, again, it's John DePietro. With me is Donna Perry, writer columnist for The Sun Chronicle. And just to give people the short version, but there was uh, a Biden nominee and uh, this reporter for The Washington Post basically was showing And then someone snapped a photo of her showing uh, some tweets to a senator from Alaska, who was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize she was tweeting about me. And this reporter received, you know, this filthy, vile from the left now because it's a Biden nominee. And Maureen Dowd wrote uh, a very good column trying to explain. And it's something you and I have discussed is and there was a good example. There was a prominent reporter for The Providence Journal. And you and I, or at least I, I'll take ownership, used to joke. Is she a reporter or is she an activist? She'd go to the protest. To me, she would march. She was with the protesters. Uh but Maureen Dowd, touch on that, that column down at Perry. She's basically saying the left, you have this generation growing up, they they don't fully understand what a reporter is supposed Absolutely. to
3: be. Absolutely. And I uh I t- tweeted that out. Maureen Dowd you know, has not was not born yesterday. She'd been in Washington for thirty-five whatever years. And I think she really hit them where it kind of hurts because she laid it out in a way that no one really has called the journalists uh, on their own carpet, John. Like what her point of that was to say that after the Trump years, when you saw a media almost irrationally, obsessively hostile to anything they would lay out, um, that now, you know, they almost seem incapable of understanding doing objective journalism. Um, and it is a real problem. You're supposed to be a journalist. You're not supposed to be an activist. And you're not supposed to be. Uh, and she got a lot of blowback because I think, again, she hit it where it's really correct. And she said, you're not a like a PR communications firm for the Democratic Party. You're supposed to be covering the Biden administration um, and the softball stuff that we see. So, you know, I, I think that the Washington Post reporter, and people who is a credible reporter, you know, and, and they, they were going after her simply because she was doing her, her journalism job. Like she had a right to say to Lisa Murkowski, you know, well, near Tandon, who's a very, you know, now this, uh, she may well not make this and that, that she won't get the vote. And, and the fact that John journalists went so far and people on Twitter and some of them were journalists, like they were upset that, that this reporter yes. for the Washington Post would dare to, you know, they felt create more conflict for the, the vote, um, by by yes. like like saying to Murkowski, aren't you angry that this Neera Tandon you know said all this stuff about you? And the fact that journalists think it's their job to like help with the vote count, which is essentially you know, what was going on. And then they get into all the issues, always the identity politics. And they're saying what's so important yeah. about Neera Tandon, She'd be the first, you know, woman of South Indian, Asian descent. I think she's part Indian. And they get into all of this. And it, John, it has nothing to do with journalism. And and the fact that, uh, and good for Maureen Dowd, and she laid it out in her just spot on and she's and she's humorous and she just laid it out and and you know she's right to say you know what has happened to the national american media really i think it was a large important column
1: right it was a it was you're exactly right donna perry and also to a larger extent younger people maybe in some ways we underestimate how the lines have kind of been blurred how they think that all media is supposed to be you know msnbc is on this side and yeah. CNN and Fox is on that side. And it's as if almost, you know, you have the Daily Beast. It's as if they don't fully get that people like the Washington Post, the New York Times, Boston Globe, whatever, that they're supposed to be basically neutral about this. And to go after her in that way for just kind of doing your job. I mean, I'm waiting to see someone start to go after the New York Times for maybe even going after uh, Cuomo. Yeah. I also want to, um, before we take a break. What is your thought that we are five weeks in and there were people starting to you know, raise the issue of the fact that President Biden is yet to hold a full a press briefing? I, I'll go first and say this is what yep. I kind of predicted and thought, and that is you're not going to see him a lot. When you see him, it's it's mm-hmm. totally teleprompter. They kind of walk him on, walk him off. And by the way, he's got a 61 percent approval rating. To me, the answer is I, I you're not going to see him if you're running – helping that administration, they're just going to say that's not his strong point. You have Jen Psaki. What do you think of the fact that Biden, the president? Has well, not I held think <clears throat> it's
3: everything you just said, you know, and more. I mean, they are yeah. protecting him. I think when you see the remarks he made kind of uh, was it had to be ad hoc in Texas the other day. And he's he's misforgetting. <clears throat> Uh, people's names, and, and he's kind of flubbing through that. I oh, think yeah. that's part of it, John. If you, like you say, when you have a Washington press corps in the press room briefing, there's going to be a lot of unscripted moments. And Jen Psaki and the chief of staff, claim, you know, they can't run to his side and whisper in his ear. And and I do think that, again, uh, and back to Maureen Dowd's point, it is not the place of the press corps to A, protect him, right. and it is not their place to be sympathetic and think he doesn't have to do this. Um, so I mm. I just think, it, my gosh, he's only been in not even two months. And, yeah. Well, like so, I said,
1: five weeks. Right. Um,
3: I And I also think, in fairness, as a contrast, where, you know, despite the rough and tumble, it was often pointed out that Donald Trump was more accessible to the press than almost any president. I mean, he did not dodge a minute. You know, he'd be there on the tarmac, he'd be whatever. But the fact that it, the weeks are gonna tick on, and you're right, John, like how long can they let that just go on? And Saki, who just, you know, she does the job she's supposed to do, but you know, she's talk doing doublespeak half the time in there. But he's the president. You know, they wanted him in, he's in, and the and the press corps should demand they they have a right to have an unscripted long, you know, like typical presidents would do. And and I don't know how long they can get away with it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Folks, quick break, a lot more. Donna Perry, writer, columnist for the Sun Chronicle, right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Miga Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight. third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MIGA Logistics, 401-431-2300.